Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. So it's not a sin in your church to have an abortion? That's the kind of conversation we would have finding out your story, where you're from. God's the judge. People have to live to their own conviction. The science is clear. The Bible is clear. And if we're honest, our intuitions are clear. We know what we're killing. We're killing a human being. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, welcome in. Welcome in to Wretched Radio. This is Jimmy Hicks in the studio, which means Todd and team are out on campus at Kennesaw State University today for Witness Wednesday. And we'll get out to him in just a second. But first, I do want to share again something that I shared here last week. And that's that if you have questions about evangelism, if you want an evangelism crash course, then I would like to commend to you Terrified 2, available in the Wretched store at wretched.org. Evangelism doesn't have to be scary, and in Terrified 2, Todd is going to help you become better equipped evangelists. So check it out now, wretched.org. Okay, now we are ready to head out to the campus. Todd? From New Jersey to Georgia, this is Alex. How do you do, Alex? Pretty good. How about yourself? Do you have any memories of New Jersey? Uh, none whatsoever. I uh, I was just three months old. I was born in New Jersey, and I was three months old. And then right away, we went down to Georgia, and I've been here ever since. Yeah. So This is different. I'm from Minnesota. I don't know if you uh, could hear that, but it's different in the north and the south. Would you agree? Oh, a lot different. I mean, just like not even scenery, but just like different culture in general. Um, you know, just everything is more, I guess... More close together, if that makes sense. More congested, oh, yeah. more industrialized. Uh, it's just a lot older, essentially. Like a lot more history than the South. I mean, I like going there every once in a while. I was uh, I was in New York. I was moving my brother up there. He's he's becoming a teacher now, so it was nice. It was a good change of scenery. But people are very friendly here. Sometimes a little too friendly, but they're very friendly here. Hospitality. Um, I've also noticed, too, compared to where I come from, fashions are way more important here. Style. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, for me, I usually like to dress comfortably, like more humble, like not to stick out. But yeah, you know, I, I look around and um, I'm an art major. So I see, you know, people in all kinds of outfits and stuff like that. So, yeah, I usually I think up north, like people wear like black and, you know, try to wear warm clothes as much as they can. But people here are more uh, they're more fashionable and more religious oh yeah i don't have a problem with you know whatever religion you practice i mean i'm agnostic personally um but you know i think i think religion does help play a part i mean i think maybe that plays a part in like people being more i guess down to earth and you know a kinder and stuff like that so i don't have a problem with it you know tell me why are you an agnostic and first of all how do you define agnostic well for me uh personally it's um you know, I, I consider myself a deist. I do believe in God, but I don't. I don't particularly follow a particular religion, if that makes sense. I guess I call myself a free thinker. I know that sounds a little pretentious, but you know that's the best way to put it. I mean, I don't consider myself an atheist. I mean, you know, like I said, I am a deist, and you know, I do like to think that there's more to this. There's something out there. But yeah, you know, I mean, I I've gone back and forth and stuff like that. So I think that's like kind of where I stand on it. All right, so. When it comes to a worldview, whether it's a philosophy or a religious system, usually they seek to answer five big questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? 
how am I supposed to live? How do I deal with my sense of failure or some would say sinfulness? And where am I going when I die? As a deist, how do you answer those five questions? I mean, the answer is I don't know. Um, you know, I, I do think about those things and, you know, that's, that's the best way to put it is I don't know. To me, it's okay to say I don't know because, I mean, I get that people, you know, they want to have the answers and stuff like that and they're desperate for that. And, I mean, you look around, I mean, you know, what is existence? What is life? You know, it's just, um, you know, for me, uh, for me, it's a big I don't know. I mean, I, I try to follow like, you know, my conscience and try to do the right thing, essentially, you know, try not to hurt other people. But yeah, it's definitely those big questions. It's, you know, I'm not sure. You said several times, I don't know. What do you think you would have to learn in order to know? Well, I mean, I think it's just, uh, just interacting with people more, uh, you know, understanding that there's, uh, you know, there's a person that's different than you and, you know, they're not going to, coincide with how you live and how you approach and how you, you know, way, how you view things. I mean, you know, so I'm not personally, that's how I see it, like interacting and like understanding that like the way people are and stuff like that, you know, I mean, everybody has choices. I do believe in choices, but um, I do think that when it comes to finding out how to answer those big questions, I mean, I, I read from time to time, you know, I still think about it and, but I understand that probably never have the answer anyway. So, but it's good to, it's good to like still read and try to understand like, you know, reality as it is. Let me give this a run and you tell me what you think of it. I think it's almost intuitive that a deity exists. And the way that I get there is, believe it or not, in part through art. When somebody creates something artistic, you see it, you digest it. Perhaps you interpret it, but it also tells you something about the artist. There's something of the artist in the artistry. And I think the same thing would be true with creation. It tells us something about the creator. Big, powerful, creative, uh, communicative, because he wouldn't make something that can do more than he can do. So I look at creation and I simply intuit, there's a creator. There has to be, because it's just, you know, even like these bricks here. Somebody had to lay them there. Somebody had to paint the painting, unless it's, you know, abstract, I guess. But if it's something that's intelligible and interpretable. So I just can't escape the sense there's got to be a creator. Well, I think, uh, you know, it's a good point you bring that up because, like you said, intuition. I think it's I think it's in our, in our nature to, like, believe in something for sure. You know, like I said, I mean, I believe in God personally. Um, and what you said about creation, I mean, like, when I see, like, you know, if it's like music that I love or, you know, if I watch a film or something like that, then, yeah, in the back of my mind, there's just like there, you know, when you see that, there's just like, yeah, there has to be something more, you know, because you kind of get that, I don't know, like a cosmic universal experience, you know. Well, I'll tell you, that's that's thinking deeper than most people do, that you get a sense of, wow, this is beautiful. What makes it beautiful? That's another thing, by the way, Alex, when, when I, we see beauty. It, it can't be random. How do we explain beauty unless there is something beautiful that determines what is pretty and what is not? Same thing with math. It's like math has consistent outcomes. They're laws of math. If there's no authority standing behind the laws, then math would be totally random. So would science experiments. We, we 
drop something, we expect it to fall down because the law of gravity. But if there isn't something or someone standing behind those laws, then all we have are preferences and random chance. And this universe just doesn't seem that way. So I join you in going, I think there's a God. But here's a question for you, Alex. Who do you think that God is? Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, you could call, uh, you know, you can call God he or I don't know. I don't know what other cultures call call God she, but, you know, I, I don't know. I think, you know, my, my dad, he always told me, you know, God is just like everywhere, you know. Um, God is like pretty much like universal and stuff like that. So when I say like, you know, I people like say like, oh, I, I guess they say like, oh, thank thank you to like, thank you universe or something like that. But like when I say like universe and God, I think those things are interchangeable. So to me, so when I, when I refer to God, I also refer to like the universe and stuff like that. So to me, I mean, God personally is, I I don't know. God has to be, I mean, I I believe it's like more of an energy, you know, energy to life, like just everywhere in general. So with intelligence, uh, with intelligence, I mean, maybe, yeah, would have to, because this is pretty intelligent stuff for like I mean, the human body is amazing. Had to be somebody pretty intelligent to put these things together. All right. Let me ask you about one of those five questions in particular. Where did we come from? Why are we here? How do we live? The feeling like, you know, I've done some things I'm kind of ashamed of. Do you ever have that sense? Like, I sense that there's maybe going to be some justice for me. How am I going to deal with it on that day? Do you ever ponder those thoughts? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, you know, I, I usually think about like, uh, you know, things that I do and how I approach things. You know, I'm hoping that I'm doing the right thing. And yeah, you know, I guess I do get those thoughts of like, yeah, you know, you know, being judged and stuff like that. So that's why I try to approach things, you know, more humble, kind of try to do the best I can, essentially. You know, I don't want to hurt anybody or something like that. I mean, of course, I'm not perfect. I mean, nobody's perfect. Let me give you a goofy question that combines our subject matter and university. Let's say God gives grades to people for their goodness, how well they behave, how moral they are. Alex, what grade would that God give you, in your opinion? Uh, A C plus. A C plus. (laughs) So slightly above average, right? Slightly above average, you know. I mean, maybe I could, you know, do a little bit more good and stuff like that, but... Okay, so you re- you render that pretty quick. How did you come to that conclusion? To whom do you compare yourself to determine you're slightly above average? I just think about, like, you know, whether my intentions are good, whether, you know, there's the best thing to think about, and like I said before, whether I have, the, like, the right mindset about things and try to, like, you know, just try to treat people with respect. All right, so what grade... If this God exists and he grades people on their goodness, what grade do you think is required in order to pass from this life into a pleasant eternity? Pleasant eternity. Hmm. Just, just to use our common language, we'll just say from whether heaven or hell, what sort of grade do you think God requires in order to get into heaven? Well, I was God. I mean, give it a B minus. A B minus? That's the grade God requires for entrance into heaven? Is Alex correct? Well, let's take a quick pause right now, and when we come back, we'll find out just how close Alex is. Next on Wretched Radio.
So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well then, we'll let Paul Washer convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Okay, so imagine that you're inside of a maze and every corner that you take, there's another wall, there's another obstacle and you finally get to the point of frustration where you think you're never going to get out. But then imagine a different scenario. You're still inside that maze, but every corner you take is a guide who has a flashlight and is saying, nope, that's the right way to go. And in that scenario, we welcome you to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. And whether you've listened or not, you'll realize really quickly it's not your everyday radio show. Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford takes issues that many, if not all of us, struggle with, and it matches them up to hope and healing through the pages of the Bible. It is genuinely an entirely new perspective. New episodes drop every Saturday morning in your favorite podcast spot or at transformed.org slash podcast transformed with dr greg gifford i believe in a culture of life one of the most impactful moments of my life was when i heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids the sonogram or the the pictures that are taken of babies Still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb. When you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat, would you please consider supporting Supporting Preborn, it's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 405 AD. After 23 years of work, translating from Hebrew and Greek manuscripts, Jerome completes the Latin Vulgate version of the Bible that becomes the standard for the next 1,000 years. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And welcome back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. And when we paused a moment ago, Alex, the agnostic deist, just told Todd that he believes God requires a B- for admittance into heaven. Is Alex close? Let's return to the chat now and see. So you're close. If there's some extra credit, you're in good shape. Exactly. Right. I mean, if you go, if you go up there and you're just like, hey, you know, I mean, if you can cut me some slack, I mean, that would be great. Right. Yeah. The only thing about slack cutting 
is the issue of justice. Another thing that I kind of intuit, we have a sense of justice, right? We want, we want criminals to be caught and punished. So we have police to arrest them. We've got judges to convict them. We've got penal systems to put them away. I don't think that happened by itself. I think that we do that because our creator does that. Let me see if I can go deep into you today, Alex, and this will give you something to ponder. You're a thoughtful guy. You're clearly thinking about deeper things. Let me suggest to you that God, in order to go to heaven, requires an A plus because he's an A plus and he doesn't want to have contaminated people, sinful people in his presence. And he has such a sense of justice that he's appointed a day of judgment in order to judge everybody. The question is, what is his standard? How do you get an A? So let me boil it down to the exam questions would be the Ten Commandments. You're familiar with the Ten Commandments? At least you've heard of it. Yeah, thou shalt not kill. Okay, so have you ever killed anybody? Nope. Good, but you need to know this. Jesus said, if you call somebody a fool, you're in danger of judgment. Okay? I mean, you're trying to... You're trying to have a superiority complex about somebody. That's exactly right. And you want them off the planet, basically, in your heart. Okay. Do you know any other commandments? Hmm. Thou shalt not kill, uh, commit adultery. Okay. Ever done that? Jesus said, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. So he kind of raised the bar, said it's more than just your physical actions. It's the intention of your heart, the desires of your mind that will be judged. Uh, personally, I, I just believe in human nature. I mean, it's, I think it's natural to be attracted to somebody, but I get what you mean. Like, it's the intentions, essentially. I get it. I don't, I don't disagree with you. You're right. I think it is our human nature. I, I do. I agree with that. We're, we're bent toward that. Okay, what about lying? Have you always told the truth in every situation? No, of course. I've always lied. Stolen anything? Stolen? Yeah. Dishonored your parents in any way? Mm, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, like when you stole something. Yeah, yeah. And Or just didn't do what you were told. You were maybe kind of lippy, yeah. not obedient. Rebellious, yeah. All right, so uh, what did we do? Like five commandments. If God gave you a grade based on your Ten Commandments performance... What grade do you think he would give you now? I mean, it's still like probably a C plus could be better. But if you fail to uphold justice, it just makes you guilty, doesn't it? Not kind of guilty, sort of a little bit innocent. You're either guilty or innocent, wouldn't you be? Like fail to uphold justice. You mean like trying to bring myself up? A righteous standard. Um, I mean, I, I would say, yeah, I would. You know, there's things I could hold myself that I could do better and stuff like that. Right, let me see if I can do some math with you. Help me out because I'm not great in this department. Okay, well, then we'll flounder around here. You're 23, right? Yeah, I'm 23. Okay. So let's just say since the age of, we'll call it 15, eight years, would it be reasonable to say that maybe three times a day, You've either lied or stolen or lusted or dishonored your parents, took God's name in vain. Do you think that it would be fair to say that three times per day you've broken one of those commandments? Yeah. yeah I would say that would actually be pretty stellar because I would not be getting a passing grade. So three times a day, eight years, that's about 
let's just call it give or take 30,000 days. That wouldn't be right, would it? Eight, no, 3,000 days times three would be 9,000 violations of God's law. Now, that's just three per day since you were 15. 9,000 anythings would get somebody put away for a long time, wouldn't it? I don't know. It just, I guess it depends on what you're doing, you know, what you're thinking. Okay, so now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you on your knowledge of religions. What does Christianity teach about us being sinful, being judged, going to heaven, going to hell? How does Christianity deal with my guilt problem? Do you know? Well, according to Christianity, I mean, that, the, the way how it goes is that depending on what your denomination is, you'd get baptized or something like that. Or um, you'd go to, um, you know, you'd repent your sins or something like that and, you know, follow Jesus. And that's essentially how, how it goes, if I'm correct on that. Uh, I, I would say it's pretty warm. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty warm. Jesus is the central figure hence Christianity, but he lived on this earth and got an A+. He never sinned because he was God in the flesh. That was the notion that, you know, that was the thing that, um, you know, essentially Jesus was perfect. But then how did he die? I guess people didn't like what he said, and then he got betrayed and then, you know, put on a cross. Yeah. So died on a cross, which was a very ignoble way of dying because you're out there most likely naked, hung on a tree and miserable and people walk by and mock you. So he died that way. Question, what was the point of that, Alex? Well, the point of it, the story goes, is that he wanted to die for humanity's sins. That's it. That's right. So that resolves the sin problem because he didn't sin and he took the punishment we deserve when he died on a cross so that our court case could be dismissed. So if you've got 9,000 crimes, the tickets all get torn up because Jesus Christ took the punishment. He paid the fine that you can't pay for yourself. That's the Christian worldview of answering those five big questions. So here they are in summary. And then you tell me what you think of them. You came from, of course, your mother's womb, but God actually knit you together. He designed you, everything about you. You are here and to live in alignment with your creator's will we do fail, however, because we know that we do bad things, but God has provided a way for us to have our sin problem taken care of. And that means my purpose for existence is to honor the one who died to rescue me. And because he did, when I die, I'm going to heaven for forever because of him, not because of my goodness, but because of his goodness. I'm a bad man. He's a good God who forgives sinners. That's the Christian presentation of those five questions. Question, Alex, do you think those five answers are correct? Uh, I have to disagree. Where? Where do we begin? What was the first one? Uh, you, were, you were made by God. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I like to believe that, but I also, I think about how I was actually created. I mean, I think that was because of like years of evolution and, you know, how... You know, my mom and my parents, they happened to meet and their genetics or what have you, they, they created me. No, that's how it had. That's the physical process. But evolution does not explain the intricacy of you. For instance, if I tried to persuade you that this microphone just came together after millions of years, you would be inclined to go, 
No, it was made in a factory someplace. You intuit that because it has a function. It has design. It has information on it. So you know there's a microphone maker because you have a microphone. I would say there's a human maker because we're humans. Yeah, I mean, human maker because we're humans. Yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, I, I can't. You know, I can't I can't say, no, there's no God or anything like that that didn't make us because, you know, I'm not going to rule that factor out. Um, now, by human design, I mean, that's I mean, we can go all day about that. You know, like I said before, I mean, I just I just believe like evolution over time is like, why do we look like the way we do was because of survival and, you know, uh, trying to conform to the pack and stuff like that. So, um the idea of human design, it's, you know, I don't know what to think of it. I mean, you know, we do have human intellect, so that has to mean something. Do you believe in evil? I think that evil disqualifies evolution from being a worldview worthy of my consideration. Because evolution cannot account for the intuitive sense that you and I have. There are some things that are just wrong. In fact, most people throughout all of human history would agree things like murder or rape, or abusing a child. Those things are just wrong. All times, all places, and we know that. Evolution can account for that. Evolution, based on its premise that we are random, we're a little more sophisticated than other things, but we're random chance, survival of the fittest. There is no standard by which to judge what is moral and what is immoral, what is evil and what is good. Only if there is an objective source of morality can we know that beating up puppies is a bad thing. Evil, in my opinion, proves the existence of God, not evolution. Evil proves the existence of God. That's a really big theological statement that challenges even believers. So how is Alex the agnostic going to respond? Find out next on Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start today with concerning developments out of the state of Florida where the state Supreme Court heard arguments regarding a proposed constitutional amendment that would enshrine unlimited abortion access up until birth. Supported by radical pro-abortion groups, the misleadingly worded amendment claims that it would only codify Roe versus Wade protections before viability. But the broad language would essentially deregulate the entire practice, allowing non-doctor health providers to determine that an abortion is necessary for mental health reasons at any stage of pregnancy. The Attorney General warned the justices that this would open the floodgates to abortion even moments before birth. A final ruling isn't expected until next month, and we can only pray that wisdom will prevail in protecting the unborn. Well, in Congress, Democrats have tried to unsuccessfully force a floor vote on their deceptively named Women's Health Protection Act, which is anything but protection or health for that matter. The legislation would override state laws restricting late-term abortions, even allowing non-doctors to commit these life-ending procedures, just like we talked about in the state of Florida. It's also happening in our nation's capital. Thankfully, House Republicans held the line this round, but we have still got to be vigilant against leaders that are so bent on imposing unlimited access to murdering unborn babies for no reason whatsoever. 
And back to Florida, but we do shift gears a bit. A young lady in the state displayed courage when she confronted a would-be kidnapper at her local Walmart. The 10-year-old boldly pulled her little brother away from the stranger trying to abduct him at the store. He was four. Security footage showed the quick-thinking girl refusing to let go despite the man's continued efforts to drag her sibling outside. Some gutsy actions by that young lady, and thanks to those gutsy actions, police arrested the suspect before he could disappear with the toddler. I don't know if you've heard about the Australian underwear brand Bonds. Well, they've recently raised some eyebrows because they decided to hire the company's first ever, quote, non-binary and transgender models for their new ad campaign. Now, I did not look at these ad campaigns myself, but apparently these bearded fellas sported some lace undergarments and bikini briefs. You know, it seems kind of odd for a brand catering mainly to women to throw bearded men in their underwear. And finally, a Maine official has recently argued that taxpayers should prioritize assistance programs for immigrants over struggling veterans. That's a true story. The reasoning she gave? Well, foreign newcomers may not speak English as well as those who served our nation. That's the legitimate reason that she gave. Our veterans deserve so much better than that. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. <laughs> Books of the Bible. First and Second Kings relate the history of Israel from Solomon through the division of Israel into two kingdoms to the destruction of both kingdoms. Though Israel and Judah and their kings were often unfaithful, God continually calls his people to repentance through his prophets. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And welcome back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks in the studio. Todd and team are out on campus at Kennesaw State University today where we have been listening to Todd chat with Alex, the agnostic deist. Let's return now to their conversation. Evil, in my opinion, proves the existence of God, not evolution. You know, I can't, you know, delve into like how I think about evil. I do believe in evil, but, you know, I will say that you know, a big reason I believe why people do bad things has to be probably has to do with how they're raised, essentially, in my opinion. I do agree with that. But nevertheless, if you go any any nation, they all have the same morality. Talk about evil as an intuition that comes kind of like within you, sort of. Okay. Yeah. My, the, act, the act itself is what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. See, I... My sense of it, Alex, is because we all share that sense of evil, I don't think it could get there all by itself. We don't see varying forms. We don't see cultures where it's like murder's good in our town. Everybody agrees. Evolution, actually, evolution should cause an evolutionist to never do anything kind for another person because that's warring against survival of the fittest. We're here to prove that we're the best, get the most stuff make the most babies, I shouldn't care about the well-being of anybody, but we do. So I think that disproves evolution and points us more toward God. I think when we're talking about murder, I think a lot of that stems from, you know, back in the day when it was uh, paleo Paleolithic, it was prehistoric. It was essential that you couldn't kill anybody else in your pack because it was needed to survive. So I think that's what stem, that's personally, I think that's what stems from a part of it. Wouldn't that then be true today? Personally, I know, I know that I am not going to kill somebody because I know that not the 
I don't think about the consequences for me, but I think about the consequences for what happens to the family, you know, behind the person I killed, right? That's what I think about. And I don't think, for me, I don't believe it has to come, I don't believe it comes from, you know, following a religion or anything like that. I think it comes from me because just based on my conscience. I agree. I think it is the conscience and not just a decision that we somehow quietly make without ever discussing it, that we shouldn't murder anybody in our tribe because it'll be harder for us to survive because we don't need that anymore. I don't need that guy to survive. So why can't I kill him? In fact, that guy could be taking my job. I should kill him. Well, again, it's... It's all based on the consequences. I mean, I mean, if I think if something were that something like that were to happen, I would think about it from his perspective. Like, what would happen if he did that to me? And I want to. I don't want to experience that. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that to him. That's kindness. Yeah, but I don't. I don't believe that's like. Uh, I don't believe that comes from me being whatever sort of, you know, who I follow religiously. But maybe we could agree on this, because you share that same morality. I share it. Everybody basically shares the same standard, give or take. That demonstrates there is somebody who has baked that into our DNA. And I think you're right. It's called the conscience. Like I said, I mean, there's there's a lot more to the world that we don't know. I mean, we're still trying to figure it out. And um, yeah, like you, like you said, I mean, um, baked in, you know, for me, it's like I don't. Sometimes I don't know why I feel, you know, sympathetic to somebody or like you said, why I don't feel I have to kill somebody or anything like that. It just like comes from within. So, yeah, you know, I'm not going to rule that factor out that maybe it's like some sort of, you know, cosmic understanding has to do with like nature itself. Question, because I've shared with you some ideas that billions of people have believed. But you're kind of you're a little resistant. So my question is, what would this deity have to do to demonstrate to you that he actually exists and that he actually is aware of you? What would he have to do? I mean, he'd have to show up right in front of me, honestly. But I will say there have been things that have happened that are a big mystery to me. I mean, you can call it a coincidence, but it does seem kind of strange, like things that happen to you that, you know, just seem to happen and they just happen perfectly and stuff like that or how life goes. And um, Yeah, I mean. All right, so God would have to somehow come down to earth and reveal himself to you and say, I'm God. And that would do it for you. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if you came down and said, hey, you know, he showed me like how, you know, why, how, you know, how he is God. If he shows me, you know, proof that he is and that he's like doing all the we talk, what kind of proof? I don't know. Maybe like turn water into wine, something like that. Walk on water. Yeah. Then I could believe it. Maybe. So you kind of beat me to the punch. He did come down, take on human flesh, walked the planet, did all those miracles that you're clearly familiar with, died, came back to life three days later. Seems to me God has already answered your standard. I mean, he could, but he has to show up. That all comes from a book, and I need him to show up in front of me, like, fully present for me to believe. I think you nailed the crux of the issue here. When I approached you, you're reading a book, somebody's story about 
life and how they've lived and what have you. We read books to glean truth. Now, all of those stories about Jesus turning water and wine, dying on a cross, there are some external books that talk about it, but it's the Bible. So the question then really is, and I think you're onto it here, is, is the Bible a true book? Because if it isn't, we're going to go on our merry way and it makes no difference. But if it is a true book and it talks about Jesus and what he did, then you would then be forced to deal with what you're going to do with him. I'll say this. I think, and I was thinking about this the other day, I do think like the Bible, I think it does have a lot of wisdom and I think you can learn a lot from it. And I think that maybe I don't believe in Jesus, but from his teachings and what he says, I can take a lot from it. And that's how, that's how I see it. But it, it does come down to the Bible and whether or not it is a credible communication from God to us. Because if it is, then the challenge for you is, am I going to submit to what he says or am I going to reject it and live my own way? If the Bible is true, what, stand, what would God have to do to prove to you the Bible is true? I don't know. I can't answer that. I mean, that's like the same as saying, you know, what does God have to do to prove that the Quran is real or the Torah is real? You know, you can twist that around as well. Very fair. This is what I would then go back to my five questions. Can that religious system answer those questions coherently? Because I think every religion attempts to answer them in some way. But the question is, do they all fit together and make sense? And so, my opinion, the Christian faith... The whole thing makes sense. You're made by God, and you are made for him. You're in some ways like him because he knit you together in your mother's womb, which should actually make us feel pretty special that we're made in God's image. And I've got this guilty conscience that he's implanted into my brain. He's provided his son as a means of cleansing my conscience, forgiving me, so that when I die, I can live with him forever. It's coherent. It doesn't contradict itself. It doesn't say this and then that. It, it's harmonious. And I don't think the other religions are in that regard. I mean, if you ask a rabbi or you ask, um, I don't know what they call it in Islam, but I mean, he would probably say the same thing, you know? Um, well, that's, you know, he probably would. You're right. But let me just suggest that a rabbi would say, the way for me to get to heaven is by praying, doing good. But I'd have to ask the question, how much good am I supposed to do? And the answer is, we don't know. And that leaves me in limbo. That leaves me with an uncertainty about the future. The same thing is true with the Quran. In fact, the Quran says you can never know if you're going to go to paradise with Allah. Even if you keep the five pillars, you don't know unless you perform jihad. Then you can go to be with Allah. And there's something about that that, first of all, isn't hopeful, is onerous. And it's also, if I have to perform a, an, an act against another human being to get to heaven, that just grates against my sense of what is right and the way we should treat each other. So I keep coming back to the Bible. Well, of course, I find jihadism, I find it you know, evil, abhorrent, but I don't, like, I don't like to believe in an idea where a kid grows up in Iraq and he's told that Islam is the right way and stuff like that. And he's meant to believe that for the rest of his life and just as his family members and all that. But it turns out he's wrong and he goes to hell. You see, I, I just, 
I, I don't, I don't accept that personally. And that could, uh, the same could be said for, you know, 1 billion Chinese people. I mean, pretty much all of them are atheists. They believe in like Confucianism and all that. Well, I don't know that they do now, but. Hey, I appreciate the time. And the chat. I'm glad I got to meet you today. You know, speaking to people who consider themselves to be agnostic can really seem overwhelming sometimes. I mean, most of the time they've got thoughts and opinions that you have really never even thought about yourself. You've never even heard these things. And that's okay. Don't don't get overwhelmed. Don't feel like you need an answer for every single objection they may have. What I would do is I would start by grabbing a copy of Solving the God Puzzle, available at wretched.org, and reading it for yourself. Do that first and then grab multiple copies so that you'll have to hand out when you encounter an agnostic person. And the best part about it, Solving the God Puzzle, available absolutely free in the Wretched Store. Okay, quick break right now, and we will have more Witness Wednesday next. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Now, I want to take a moment and paint you a picture. Imagine a world where the gospel reaches every corner, touching lives and transforming hearts. I know that's something as Christians we're all praying for, but imagine that you could play a pivotal role in that mission. And I'm not suggesting what you currently do doesn't play a pivotal role. We know you love the content that we're able to produce, but it takes resources to produce that content. And that's where you come in. 83% of every dollar you give goes directly to ministry. That's a fact that you can look up for yourself with the ECFA. Your partnership means we're reaching more souls, equipping more saints, and strengthening more churches. And so if you're wondering how to do that, how to join us and become a gospel partner, first of all, don't just jump into it. Talk to your spouse about it, pray about it, and consider what it might look like in your life. Then, and only then, you can go to wretched.org slash donate to get any answers to any other questions you might possibly have. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing Amazing gospel. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats. They get materials that they learn the Bible. They memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Well, in a world that is undeniably cluttered with quick fixes and superficial solutions, now comes a journey into the heart of real change. I'm talking about Transformed Season 3. It's finally here, and we're inviting you into the lives of individuals that are facing the giants of fear and guilt and grief. But hey, there's a twist. These aren't your typical battles. These battles have been fought with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. You'll witness loneliness and overeating and relational tension met with grace, truth, and love that can only come from the one who knows us the best. This season's not just about watching others. It's about seeing yourself and your struggles and the path to true transformation through biblical counseling. We'll together dive deep into the heart of what it means to be transformed. Transformed Season 3 can be found right now at wretched.org slash transformed 3. 
attributes of God. Do you think God explodes with anger when you sin? Remember the word impassibility. It means that God is without passion. His affections, such as wrath, anger and love, are always foreknown, voluntary and controlled. And they are always consistent with God's unchanging nature. And His wrath has been settled on the cross. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And welcome back to Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. Todd's been out at Kennesaw State University today, obviously causing some mischief. Okay, not really. He has been out at Kennesaw State University, and he's still there. So let's check back in with him now. Welcome to Tennis Talk. This is tennis player Jack. How do you do, Jack? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. You're a tennis player. I am, yes, sir. We could sit and chat about that. Who's your favorite tennis player of all time? My favorite tennis player is Roger Federer. What about Roger Federer's game do you like? I just say how, I mean, how smooth, how, I mean, even at 40, he's moving around the court like he's 20. You know what word I use when I watch Roger Federer? Pretty. It's like you're watching ballet with a tennis racket. He just floats. I totally agree. Everything's just smooth. All right. So you are studying what? I'm studying sports management. Right. Sports management. So what does that look like when you get out of here? Like this is a prison. Yeah. So for me, I'd like to try to work in some type of sports kind of management, like whether that's try to get an internship for the Braves or some Atlanta sports team. All right. I'm going to take you down a math road right now. And this is going to maybe seem very unfamiliar, but I'm going to ask you some math questions. Not like what's 17 times 408 math. Why do you believe, Jack... That when we do math equations, we always have a consistent outcome. I would just say, I mean, that's what I love about math. And what's cool about math is that it just seemed like whoever created math just knew that there was outcomes to everything. I mean, I think it goes along with a lot of things in this world that if you put two and two together, you're going to find there's always going to be a solution. Here's where I'm going with this. And you tell me if this tracks and makes sense. If there wasn't somebody who wrote down the laws and enforces the laws, there would be no laws. You know, you and I can drive as fast as we want if there aren't any laws, but the authorities said you only go 55, so that's what we do. Same thing is with math. Seven times seven, always going to be 49. Who do you think is standing behind those laws and who wrote them? I mean, it goes back to early times and, I mean, those philosophers, early philosophers who were writing those math laws, I mean... And I trust them. I mean, they were smart guys, so they're the ones who wrote the laws. And so I just go off what they wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they wrote them. Do you think they created them or discovered them? I think they discovered them. I think that down the line, people would have discovered them later. But so I I think they were there and they discovered them. Yeah, I I think so too. Because let's say Plato or Socrates or Euripides or whoever the math geek was back then, they came up with something. They can't enforce it. So all they're doing is discovering what's already there. All right, so I'm going to circle back to the same question then. Who put those laws there? That's what I'm trying to noodle through. Um, I would just say for me, uh, I'm a spiritual guy. So for me, maybe just start in the beginning and God started with him. And through through different creations and stuff, we look at, I mean, beginning in the Bible, it just started with him. And like you said, the people later discovered these things that he created them. So you said spiritual, then you said Bible. So you must be either Jewish or Christian. Yeah, Christian. All right. So you're a Christian. So you would say to me, the one who stands behind math is the creator of the universe, God. Yes, sir. And you know that how? 
I would just say just based off my faith, based off learnings and teachings that I've, I mean, God created everything, created the heavens and the earth. And so for me, he created math. Science, laws of nature. All right. So, Jack, do me a favor. If I came up to you and said, dude, we've had a couple of classes together. You seem like you got your act together. And I've heard you're a Christian. Would you please share with me why you think I should become a Christian? How would you go about doing that? I would just say for me, definitely not forcing it upon you or anything. But for me, it's really just changed my life. And just the way I find happiness, really. It's an, it used to be through works and just outside things, other satisfactions. But for me, it's just through my faith and through learning about Jesus and growing. It's just brought a whole new happiness to my life. And I just really enjoyed it. Enjoy, continue to enjoy to learn more about it and grow in my faith. I don't doubt that for a second. But what if I responded and said, but Jack, I'm actually pretty happy right now. So I'm not sure that I need to believe in Jesus because my life is on track. What would you say? I'd probably say I understand that. And uh, but I would definitely say there's going to be some points. Maybe it's not now or a year or two from now, but definitely in the future where there's going to be some some hopeless points in your life where you definitely feel like, what am I supposed to do? What am, where am I going to turn? And I would just say, I'd come back to what I said about just God and being able to go to him and he'll, he'll be your comfort and he's there for you. This is in the same arena that we're talking about right now, but it's a bit of a philosophical question. Do you know what postmodernism is? I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say. That's all right. That's all right. It's, it's not a term that gets used a ton, but it is the worldview that tends to describe your generation. It's the worldview that says truth can't be known and each individual can define their own truth. And even if they contradict one another, they're both true. Would you say you're a postmodern? Um, in some ways, maybe. Let me see if I can find, find the line. If I said to you, Jack, I believe this bench is God and it brings me happiness. Would you be willing to say, oh, friend, glad you enjoy the bench, but nah, the bench isn't God. Yeah, absolutely. I would. God's not every object around. He's the one who created the objects. So I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't agree with that statement. Would you be willing to go as far just to say, dude, I think you're wrong? Yeah, I would say I think you're wrong. Then you're not a postmodern. I wouldn't say I am then. I would, I would say, I don't know what percentage, but it's pretty high percentage here would be in the postmodern camp. Let me turn the tables on you for a second. Let's say you came up to me and you said, hey, I hear that you're a Christian. Share with me why you think I should become a Christian. This is how I would be inclined to go about it. You tell me what you think, right? I would say, well, Jack, let's start with some questions. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? I feel like I would. I just try to be nice to everyone, be kind, try not to judge much, and just, just try to be as genuine in myself and good person as possible. So I would say yes. So again, remember, we're turning the tables here and I'm trying to potentially share with you why I think you should become a Christian. I would say, well, Jack, with your permission, I'd like to test your statement that you're a good person. And the way that I'd like to do it is by holding up a mirror to you so that you can see what you look like based on a standard of morality, the Ten Commandments. So do you think that you have always kept the Ten Commandments? No, I have not. Have you told lies? I have. Stolen things? I have. Looked at a woman with lust? I have. Okay, help me out. You said before you're a pretty good person. 
but we just went through three commandments and you admitted, I didn't accuse you, but you admitted to me that you've broken those laws. Wouldn't that actually make you a not good person? I'd say, yes, I'm not a good person and I'm not perfect, but it's about acknowledging your, uh, just acknowledging your faults and, and trying to learn from them and correct them and be the better person. Because obviously everyone's going to lie in their life. Everyone's going to look at, have lust towards women or men. So I would just say it's about being able to acknowledge that you did it, ask for forgiveness and just learn from your mistakes and be a better person for it. If we were pulled into court and we had a stack of fines, we'd broken a bunch of laws. If I said to the judge, judge, I'm a criminal, but I'm not going to do it anymore. I've learned my lesson. Should the judge let me go? I mean, no, I mean, they shouldn't. Because justice needs to be satisfied. There's laws and you break the laws and like you said, justice needs to be satisfied. Right. And so then going back to why I think you should consider the claims of Jesus Christ is because if God just lets guilty criminals go without a payment for their crimes, he's not just. That would be a judge who turns his eye to the law books from the law books and says, I'm not going to uphold those standards. He'd be a corrupt judge. He'd be thrown off the bench. God isn't corrupt. He's not going to be bribed. He's not persuaded or he doesn't balance out the scales with good deeds. Lawbreakers must be punished. But God is rich in mercy and he desires to save sinners. But here's the tension in our situation, Jack. God has to punish lawbreakers, but God desires to save sinners. Do you see the tension that exists there? So to break that tension and to be both just and the justifier of people, he sent his son lived a perfect life, never committed any of those crimes, died on a cross, taking the punishment that we deserve. So if we will give him our rap sheet, he gives us his resume. We give him our sins, he gives us his righteousness. So I would say to you, Jack, thanks for asking about how to become a Christian. The issue isn't about happiness. The issue is about righteousness and holiness. And the only one who can make you holy is Jesus Christ. And without him, you're going to have to face that same God on Judgment Day. The books will be open. Every deed done in darkness will be revealed. And I think we understand the consequences are going to be quite severe. So run to Jesus Christ. Put your trust in him. He'll forgive you. He'll adopt you. And even if your life is happy right now, you'll have a joy that is indescribable because you'll be reconciled to your maker. So that's that's how I would go about the, the business of doing that. So you've done that. You've repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Good on you. Well, it was nice to meet you. It's always encouraging to hear these encounters that Todd has with believers on the campus. And, you know, honestly, the more I listen to Todd interact with these students, the more I recognize how wrong I have been over the years. And look, I'm just being transparent for a second. It, it makes me think back to the times when I would talk to people just like Jack here who professed to be Christian. And simply because I didn't feel like they were as far along in their journey as I obviously was, then they couldn't possibly be saved. Oh, how wrong I was. I mean, how arrogant was that? How prideful was I? Don't be me. Don't be like that. Be better than that. And come back and join us here tomorrow for more Wretched Radio. Until then, until tomorrow, go serve your king.